Thanks for tuning in to the Lake Forest Church Podcast. Lake Forest is a community for people who have given up on church, but not on God. If you'd like to learn more about our churches in Huntersville, Davidson, and Denver, North Carolina, you can check us out online at lakeforest.org. Well, good morning, friends. It is such a joy to be here. So many faces that I love that I don't get to see as often because I'm over in Davidson, part of our family. So um, I just feel a need to pray after that video. So I'm going to pray and then we'll jump right in. Oh, Father, we come in this morning and um, the truth is the world sort of builds up this guardedness around our stories that we, we sort of learn in this world to guard our stories. Um, but God, help our hearts to rest in the fact that you know our story fully and that you love us in the midst of where we are in our story right now today. Be that full and joyful or be that really struggling. Lord, we pray that through your words, And through your Holy Spirit, you would speak into each of our stories this morning. And Lord, that you would open up our hearts to that truth and that possibility. Thank you, Father, for that kind of love to each of us. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we are, as a Lake Forest family, moving purposefully towards Easter. And by that, I mean that we're individually and corporately asking God to show us, God, where am I broken? Where have I maybe started to believe a lie that the world is selling? Maybe where is there a truth about you that I don't know yet, or I've known for a long, long time that I've gotten lazy about, that's just gotten dusty? We're saying, God, would you help us to root those things out of our life, to to root out brokenness, to root out lies we're believing, our laziness, our lack of knowledge, but not just that, then to put on. God, would you then put on your healing, your truth, a, a right picture of who you are and who we are to each other? So we're purposefully moving towards Easter as a church family saying, God, would you root out and would you then put on your healing? Some of you might be thinking, wow, if I really think about doing that, that sounds terrible. (laughs) But when we have that feeling, that feeling of maybe a little bit of fear of a holy God speaking that into me. A holy God speaking to me, Holly, here's where you're broken. Here's where you're believing a lie. Here's where you're lazy. When we feel that sense of fear, it's because we, we slip into this wrong picture of God. The world sort of tricks us into slipping into this picture of God like he's the great rule maker, right? And, and he's just sort of watching out for, Holly, when you, when you break one of those rules so I can shame you and criticize you and condemn you. But that's not the God that we serve. The God that we serve, the holy God of the universe that made all that we see blooming right now, all that we are and everything that we have yet to know in this world, that God wants to pour compassion and forgiveness 
and love and strength over you. He wants you to feel so comfortable with him that you would actually feel comfortable using the word daddy for him. That God wants to bring healing where we hurt. He wants to bring truth where lies have crept in. He wants to give you a full life. That's his ultimate goal for you, is relationships that work, a full life, a life that has purpose and meaning. That's why he created you. So we're moving towards Easter purposefully. And we're going back to the very beginning of the church. Early on in the church, they identified, you know what? Here's seven kind of root sins, root brokenness, that a lot of our sin and brokenness stems from. And we're asking God to show us his healing in place of those broken places. And today, as we saw in the video, we're talking about sloth. We want to root out sloth, but then put on diligence. Put on diligence. Now, if you think about like how we understand sloth in our culture, like, it, like sloth in our culture today is kind of like said person is on the couch with a bag of Doritos, right? And they're about two hours into binge watching old reruns of The Office or Parks and Rec. Or, or maybe it's a bowl of ice cream and you're about two hours into Pinterest and Facebook, right? Or the list is on the counter of the to-dos and you're asleep in front of the football game again, right? So that, and you're like, I mean, I get that's not like super healthy, but seven deadly sin? And that seems a little harsh on the whole sloth thing. But that's because that's how society defines sloth. Hear how the wisdom of the church who's been listening to God over all these years, this is how the church defines it. It defines it as apathy, as a comfortable indifference. It's a, a specifically a comfortable indifference about a holy God and about sacrificially loving each other. And if we dig past that apathy and that comfortable indifference, you know what we get to? That the root of those things is really just a lack of love. It's a lack of loving well. And so I want to take a minute and I want to root out a lie with you, us together. So we, we've been on this series and we've been talking about the fact that we all have broken places. The Bible calls it sin. It's places where, you know, just if I'm going to be really honest, in my heart, I have this thing where I want to do it my way, right? And that's called a rebellion against a holy God. I want to do my time my way. I want to do my relationships my way. I want to do my career my way. I want to do my family and my friendships my way. It's a, it's a thing in my heart. Bible calls it sin. I call it a rebellion against God being in charge of me. And, and we all have this. We all have this. But here's the crazy thing about that. Because we're sinful, broken people, and we make societies, we make institutions, we make systems in this world, get this, those systems and societies and institutions have lies woven into them, have brokenness woven into them. And here's the lie I think that is spoken over us all day, every day right now in America. It is spoken over us so pervasively that we do not even see it and recognize it anymore. You ready? Here it is. Today's message for us in America, you are a consumer. 
You are a consumer. It's not what it was in my father's generation where, where men either went to college or they didn't even go to college and they went directly into the military. Because you know what was woven into their life, their truth of their society was, you're a servant. You're a patriot. Of course you would serve with your life. And largely in that generation, women were the ones that were staying home, doing everything alone while they were away, and they were serving because it was woven into their understanding of who there was. You're a servant. And when I was a child, the message that was woven into my society and my understanding of who I was was, you're a neighbor. We knew every single person on our street. And if they were, if they were celebrating or if they were grieving, we were a part of that because woven into our society was you're a neighbor. That's who you are. So here's what's woven into our society today. You are a consumer. But what I want to talk about is the root, the spiritual root that grows in us when that's being spoken over us all the time. And here's what it is. If I believe that I'm a consumer, even unconsciously, here's what's growing in me. I believe that I am both the judge of what is good and that I should be the primary beneficiary of what is good. I'm the judge of what is good. Let me give you an example. If, if Patagonia, the company, did something just horrific, I mean, it just was unforgivable. It was an ethical disaster, and everyone in America agreed, you know what, that's, that's not forgivable. That's not okay. And we're going to rise up and we're going to say that's not okay together. And we just decided collectively that they were not good. And we stopped buying their products. What would happen to that company? It would disappear. You know, that kind of power, that kind of power to believe that we're deciding what is good. It's powerful. I mean, that, that's almost godlike, isn't it? I'm defining what is good, and I should be the spiritual, I should be the beneficiary of what is good. Jesus one day um, was teaching, and, and people hoarded around him because he was so real. I mean, he was full of compassion and mercy and, and, and so approachable, right? But he was also truthful, and, and it was piercing and healing, to hear that truth. And so he always had crowds around him. And one day he was teaching, and the truth is that the leaders, the spiritual leaders of that day were jealous because the people that were crowding around him used to come to them to get the teaching, to get the leadership. And they were jealous of that, and they came up with this plan to expose him, to expose him as a, a false teacher, to be unwise, an unwise teacher. And so they went up to him in the midst of this crowd and they say to him, hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? See, it was a trick because remember, they didn't have the Bible that we have. They were literally living and, and, and writing the Bible. And so the commandments, they were all the words of God to them. I mean, they're all equally important. And so they were trying to trip him up and expose him. And he just looks back at him and he says, just love the Lord your God all of your mind, all of your heart and soul, which is your, your will, literally with everything within you, love God. And then out of that, sacrificially love each other. That's the most important thing. He said, he said to this crowd of people, and he says to us, if everything else in your life falls away, 
You were literally created. Your purpose, your entire reason for existing is that you would passionately love God and connect yourself to the holy God and then pour out sacrificial love on each other. Friends, when I feel the difference, the gap between the fact that my heart can grow comfortably indifferent to a holy God. I I can grow comfortably indifferent to the desperate needs of people around me. The gap between the fact that my heart is capable of that and the fact that the reason I exist in 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 the whole point of my life is to love God with everything that I am and to sacrificially love other people. When I feel that gap in my life, I say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I think Jesus asked a question one day that would help us root out some of that in our lives. And I want to offer it to you this morning. It's found um, in the biography of Jesus called John. We call it the Gospel of John. It's in the fifth chapter if you want to go read it later. And, And it's a story about one day when Jesus and his disciples had gone to Jerusalem because there was a festival. So Jerusalem would have been flooded with people. And and just a little bit north of Jerusalem, there is a pool there. And they've actually excavated this pool. And there was a pool, and if you can imagine it, around this pool, there was this structure that was built up with five porches high. Five porches all the way around this pool. And and the lie that their society had woven in that the people were believing is that when that water stirred, it was an angel's wings that was stirring the water. And the first person that could get into the water after the water was stirred by the angel would be healed. So I want you to picture this. On those five porches around this pool, the scripture says there was a multitude sick, lame, paralyzed, desperate people looking for healing. Jesus walks into this heart-wrenching scene, and he looks at one guy. And Jesus did this so often, I, I believe it was because he wanted people to know, I know your name. I know your story. I don't see this. I don't see a crowd. I see you and you and you. And he looks at this one guy and he just asks him this piercing question. He says, do you want to be well? And you might think that's, that's a strange question to ask a man that this story says had been paralyzed for 38 years. And Jesus says, do you want to be well? And here's what I think he was doing, friends. He was trying to heal a man's heart before he healed his body. See, I think he was trying to root out apathy in this man's heart. Because here's the truth about our human condition. We can be miserable and suffering and incredibly unhappy, but we can get used to it. And we can actually choose, you know what? It's not pretty, but I understand it. And I'd rather stay there than do the work to get well. And so he says to him, do you want to be well? And the man quickly explains. He says, well, I've been paralyzed for all these years, but as soon as the water stirs, well, people move faster than me, and I'm never able to get there. Friends, do you see the spiritual blindness 
that their society had woven into their thinking, Christ is literally standing before them and their eyes are fixed on the water. Their society had told them the lie, your hope is in the water. They didn't even see him. So he says to the man, he says, get up, take up your mat and walk. He could have just said, you're healed, but he didn't. He didn't just say you're healed. First, he rooted out the man's apathy. Do you want to be well? Then he said, now put on diligence. Put on a new thing. Put on a new way. Put on my way. Get up, take up your mat, and walk. I believe that as we move towards Easter, that Jesus is asking each of us that question this morning. Do you want to be well? And you might be sitting there thinking, yes, yes, I I finally do. I really do. I want to be well. And I have no idea how to do that. So I want to take a minute and just remind each of us about a couple of things about following, following God this morning. And the first is this. Um, spiritual growth, that healing of the brokenness, that putting on God's healing happens from the inside out when you follow Christ. And, and we need to say that out loud sometimes because it's the exact opposite of everything the world is telling us. The world says, work harder, go after it, do more, be a leader, be there first, be their best. Here's what Jesus says. When you cross over the line of faith to follow Christ, And that may be a time that you can really point to and say, I know exactly when I did that. Or it may be the kind of thing where you're becoming a part of this community and and you've been here for a while and you're hearing the truth and suddenly you turn around one day and you say, I believe this now. I, I want to follow Christ now. It may be subtle in your heart, but when that happens in your heart, here's the truth of what God's word to us says. The Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell in you. Friends, this is the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that we will celebrate on Easter. That power, that grace and mercy, that Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you. And then what happens is as you push towards God and and you connect with God's people, he's changing you from the inside out. God is doing that. You know, and sometimes we think, oh, wow, okay, I believe that God will give me the strength. But I've got to, I got to muster up, honestly, Holly, I got to muster up the desire for that. But that's not true. Look at this verse from Philippians. It's one of my favorites. It's from Philippians 2.13, and it says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. That means, friends, that we can go to God and say, God, here's the truth. Here's the truth about my brokenness. I want to be well, but I do not even have the desire. Would you give it to me? God, holy God, would you give me the desire to be well? Would you give me the desire to try again, to make this relationship new, to make this thing in me whole? Would you give me the desire, and then would you fill me with your strength? We can ask for both. 
The second thing I think that um, it's good for us to just remember is that God is always moving towards you. The holy God of the universe is moving towards you in your life right now. And so what that means is that God is trying to do a work in your heart and your life. Right now, the God of the universe is trying to do a work in your heart and your life. And we will choose to do one thing or the other. We will either choose to cooperate with that work or to sabotage it. And you say, well, what does sabotaging it look like? Well, I think it looks something like this. I think it looks like driving home and saying, you know what? That, what they're teaching week in and week out at that Lake Forest, Denver, I think, you know what? I think that they're right. I'm starting to believe it. I mean, that's some really helpful stuff. And then we make excuses for ourselves and we make excuses for others. And there's a lot of talking and there's a lot of considering and there's a lot of mental agreement, but the truth is that nothing ever really changes. Or we could cooperate with God's work in our life and our heart right now. And you say, what does that look like? Well, I think it looks like two questions just to start with. And they are this, what are you putting in your mind? Because friends, remember what we said at the very beginning, if we're not purposely putting things in our mind, the culture will do it for us. And we will quite literally be defined by whatever is being poured into us. This is one of my favorite reminders of this. It says, Romans 12, 2, don't conform to the pattern of this world. I mean, that's, that's what will happen. We will become like the world. We'll get squeezed into the world's mold. Paul's saying, don't do it. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Then, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Then you'll hear him. Then you'll recognize him. His good and pleasing and perfect will for your life. Friends, I've been a Christian for 30 years. I, I met the Lord um, when I was a freshman at Chapel Hill, as unlikely as that seems possible, right? And, and I will tell you, when I get lazy, when I get comfortably indifferent about taking God's word and getting it in my mind, I start to drift. It's just that simple. I get foggy up hearing him. It's just that simple. What are you putting in your mind? And the second thing I'd ask you is, who are you hanging out with? Now, hear me clearly. I'm going to be last in line, last in line. I might not even get in the line to say, only hang out with Christians. Because if those young women on my hall, when I was a freshman, had only hung out with Christians, they wouldn't have been hanging out with me. And I was a mess. And they built a relationship with me. And this be, that's why I'm a Christian today. So, so no, don't, don't get our little only hang out with Christian thing. But if this morning, if Sunday mornings is the only time you have God's people around you, people that love God and want to speak into your life from his perspective, people that want to love you and encourage you and, and correct you and point things out to you, if, if this is the only time you have that, take a step. You need more of that around you. One last thought. You say, okay, okay, I want to cooperate. I, I do want to be well. I do. But I'm just going to be completely honest. I'm sitting here thinking, as I'm listening to you, Holly, I'm thinking, is it worth it? 
I mean, is it really worth it? And I want to just end by sharing a couple of stories about you all. These are true stories. It's the truth, isn't it, that work will take up 150% of our time. Either it's work outside the home or it's work in the home. There's always another dish. There's always another towel, right? I've seen families that are near each other but completely unconnected to each other because work is consuming their lives. And, and when you start to cooperate with a holy God, God's people and God's word will start to whisper things to you like this. Okay, Holly, who are you going to cheat? You're either going to cheat that next task, that next to do, that next thing that you feel is so pressing, or you're going to cheat the people in your life that you say are the most important to you. When we cooperate with God, there's this whisper of, hey, Holly, who are you going to cheat? It's always going to be hard. Who are you going to cheat? I've seen things like this happen in students. Students, where you're in, in grade school, middle school, high school, college right now, there are lies woven into your school because broken humans made them. So there's a story that's being told at your school. There's a lie that's being promoted at your school. You should look like this. You should do this. So when you cooperate with God as a student, here's what he says to you. Ready? Yeah, but what's your story? Okay, I get that's the story there. It's a story at my school. I'm surrounded by it. But God suddenly begins to give you the strength to go, yeah, but what's my story? One last thought. I've seen marriages that were um, contracts, right? Like they're, they're a number of years in, and they're kind of like, you know what? I'm still here. Not going anywhere, but like, don't ask me to change. <laughs> Seriously, just give it a rest because this right here, this is about as good as it's going to get. As a matter of fact, it's probably going to get worse before you kick the bucket, all right? <laughs> and, and that's like, that's us slipping into a contract. And I've seen one, one person in a marriage start to really cooperate with God. Say, God, I'm going to ask you and I'm going to put into my life new diligences. I'm going to put them into my marriage, new habits, new ways. And I'm going to start saying, Bill, I want for you everything that God made you to be. And I'm going to sacrifice my privileges and my desires and my time to help you become that. I'm going to help you win. And then suddenly when the other person begins to do that for you, now you have a covenant marriage. You have a marriage that's a covenant with a, a holy God who wants full life there. And a covenant with another person who is becoming in God all they were made to be. Friends, that's what happens in our lives when we cooperate with him. It is so worth it. I've seen it again and again and again. And so let me end by asking you this question this morning. Where might you be showing signs of apathy, a comfortable indifference in your life, either towards a holy God or towards the people that God has placed in your life to love sacrificially? Where might that comfortable indifference be showing itself? And what would it look like for you to take a step towards diligence, towards passionately loving God and loving the people that God has put around you? We're not going to arrive by Easter, so don't take on the whole change. Take on this. God, 
Where is a step I can take towards you and towards loving more honestly, more sacrificially? Let me pray for us.